You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offences. On the lips of him who has understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. There's just words everywhere. I know we live in a visual age, but even most visuals have words attached to them, just as most words often have visuals and music attached to them. Think about words in song, words in movie, memes, sayings, poetry. We scroll endless words. Words of family, friends, teachers, politicians. And the, the many, many words, maybe you think the too many words of preacher. All these words that we say and hear easily cut in two ways. Some hurt, some healed. Uh, our words can do enormous good or immense evil. And you probably know both. I'm sure you've, you've, you've heard words that have just blessed you and encouraged you and built you up and given you peace. And maybe you've heard other words that have just cut you to the heart. And you've gone to bed unable to get those words out of your head. 
We've heard words like that, and and I dare say most of us have spoken words that have gone both ways, words that have hurt and words that have healed. There's a proverb, it's not actually the main one we're going to look at today, but there's a proverb in, in chapter 18.21, it says, Down and lying are in the power of the tongue. Is that a profound statement? Dead and life are in the power of the tongue. So what I want to do as we look at this passage in Proverbs 26 is initially think about the words that wound. This, this whole passage actually is about the bad words, the words that hurt. But then after we've had a good look at this passage and thought about the words that wound, we're going to then think about the one word that healed. So first of all, the many words that wound, and then the one word that heals. In in this passage, in uh, Proverbs 26, there are a bunch of proverbs that are word warning. In fact, it, it gives us five ways in which we can do damage through what we say. Five things that are seriously unhelpful. If the book of Proverbs is teaching us wisdom, these are five very unwise, five foolish ways to use your words. We're going to walk through them, but here are the five. Meddling, jesting, gossiping, quarreling, and deceiving. These are, these are five really negative ways to speak. Let's start off the first one meddling. Uh, have you ever grabbed a stray dog by the ears? <laughs> Probably not because you're still here. <laughs> I have not grabbed a stray dog by the ears. That, that's just stupid. You are asking for trouble. You might be safe as long as you've still got the ears. Once you let go, you are in trouble. Uh, look at the first proverb there. Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. That is, you meddle in someone else's quarrel and you are asking for trouble. couple of people are having an argument. You weigh in with your opinion. There's a tension at work. You take sides couple of people have fallen out, they wisely ask you to help them work this thing through. But you don't help them work it through, you jump in and you voice your opinion, you jump into one side of the argument. Meddlers get involved in business not their own. <laughs> Sometimes my wife comes back from where she works and she's got some story or something that's been said or done and I, I fire up, like, oh, that is so not okay. And as she tells me about it, I say, well, you need to say this, and, and they should do that. And, like, I have already to leap into that situation. It's such a mercy that I'm not in her workplace. Otherwise, I would be getting, I'd be grabbing the dog by the ears, <laughs> wanting to sort out metal in a problem not my own. Now, maybe you're not that stupid. Maybe you're not that fiery. 
But it's it's not hard, is it, to interfere in other people's business. And this first proverb comes along and just says to us, hey, that's, that's not wisdom. Don't meddle with your words in business that's not yours. Well, maybe you're a meddler, maybe not. Uh, what about the next one? The, the Proverbs here move from meddling to jesting. Uh, the next Proverbs, verse 18, is really quite graphic, isn't it? Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and den is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, Oh, I'm only joking. It's a picture of something which is crazy. A madman with firebrands, a madman with arrows. Like, that's that's dangerous and stupid. And this proverb says, it's also dangerous and stupid to say stuff and then quickly backpedal when you hurt someone. Do you ever hear yourself saying, oh, I didn't mean it. I was just joking. Hey, chill, like, relax, like, it's not really like that. I meant no harm. You ever say those things, then what you've done is you've thrown a firebrand and then quickly backed off. No, oh, didn't mean to. Don't be touchy. I think banter. Is often like that. Banter in families, banter among friends. We have a dig at someone, we throw a sarcastic remark, and we feel pretty good about it, like that was a bit of a clever little poke. And then the person looks a bit hurt and says, Oh, I was just joking. And God's word comes along and says, that, That's not why. That smart one-liner is not smart if it's been at someone else's expense. Wisdom, you see, teaches us to love people, to value people, build people up. And so if your smart little one-liners cut people down, make a little joke at their expense, and then you back off saying, no, don't be joking. Proverbs comes along and says, no, that's, that's not wise word meddling jesting and then we come in the next verse to an all-time classic gossiping have a look at verse 20 for lack of wood the fire goes out and where there is no whisperer quarrelling seafood. There's, there's actually quite a bit of fire imagery uh, in these verses, and it's ideal sort of speaking about this, sitting, standing next to a brazier <laughs> and smelling wood smoke. Uh, the, the previous proverbs has had wood for the fire, and now <laughs> the, the wood that fuels a conflict is pulled by 
is that whilst gossip is fuel for the fire, it's also incredibly tasty. Gossip's like a tasty morsel. Have a look at verse 22. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. I find a um, a platter of savoury food almost impossible to resist. If you bring out a platter and it's got, you know, brie and crackers and uh, dried apricots and grapes and nice fresh bread and you know, a plate like that, or some gherkins and olives, that's, that's really going to work. Like, <laughs> I will try in a party to position myself near that platter and strike up a long conversation with someone just nearby. <laughs> um, irresistible. So many tasty little morsels. And this proverb says, gossip is like that. Notice, notice it uses the translation in the ESV, whisperer. That's what a gossip is, a whisperer. Oh, oh, did you hear this? Did you hear that? Did you hear what Kate did? <gasps> I don't know if I should tell you, but and as soon as someone says, I don't know if I should tell you, like, oh, no, you probably shouldn't. What was that? We seek it out. Uh, people say, hey, what's the goss? TV shows, magazines devoted to celebrity gossip. Celebrity gossip has has almost killed some people. You you think of some of the um the the trauma in the royal family, where gossip has ruined lives. But closer to home, friend, gossip, this whispering, is one of the fastest and easiest ways to divide a church. Notice that he is the whisperer. Oh, we we whisper something about the pastor, about the the youth ministry, about the young people. Did did you hear this? I, I don't know what you think, but I think. And as we whisper, we divide and hurt and cut down. All there's the um. The gossip prayer. That's a that's a tasty little morsel, isn't it? Oh Lord, we just pray for Bob, who shared with me the other day that he's having a few problems in his marriage and is pretty gutted about the uh, speeding fine that he got for going 120 in a hundred a zone uh, down on the Esplanade. And <laughs> in our prayer, we just pass on all these little tidbits. And everyone's like, oh, amen, amen. <laughs> With tasty words, we cut down, we divide, we hurt. In Romans chapter 1, there's a very sobering passage where God is speaking about the wickedness of humanity. The wickedness that incurs his wrong. I just want to... Um, Read a few verses from Romans 1. Have a listen to what it says there. 
It says, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient their parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Notice what, what happens then. Right alongside, ruthless, wicked, heartless, insolent. It says they're gossips. In God's sight, this sin of gossiping is right up there as wickedly destructive. If someone says to you, I don't know if I should tell you this, then you should really jump in and say, then don't. Mm. If they start talking about someone else, you should ask them if they've talked to that person about it first. If someone gives you second or third hand information, you should say, I don't really like second and third hand information. I'd like to hear it first. Instead of eating the tasty morsel of gossip, we should spit it out like poison. Yeah. All right. I don't know how you're going. If you are checking your own heart, your own words as we go, but we've had meddling, jesting, gossiping, and they all lead to the next one on the list, quarrelling. There's again in verse 21, fire imagery, as charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Here's another way to fuel the fire of conflict and strife, quarrel. Maybe you know this person, they're argumentative, they always take the other side. They've always got another opinion. They've always got to have the last word. They're picky. They're opinionated. They're provocative. They stir up conflict. Whereas wisdom cultivates love and unity between people. The quarreler is always stirring up tension. Do you know that person? Are you that person, perhaps? Well, quarreling, conflict is another unhelpful way to use our words. But now we'll come to the last of the five and there's a whole bunch of proverbs about this last one, all that fit under the category of deceiving. For verses 23 through to 28, there's a whole range of ways in which we 
can lie, basically. It starts off with the smooth talker. Uh, look at verse 23. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. Fervent lips, smooth talk, so passionate, so earnest and real. And yet it says it's just like a glaze on a beautiful mug. It's just, it's just shiny on the outside, underneath. No, it's nasty. One of the ones that followed, they've got a similar theme tune. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. You see how each of these is talking about, on the surface it seems so valid. They seem so, so real, so lovely, so concerned. But underneath the uh, seven abominations, seven is like the number of fullness, of completeness. Seven abominations is a heart full of nastiness and wickedness. You can have the smoothest words in the world, and underneath you can be a rotten scoundrel. But it goes on to say there in verse 27 that you won't get away with lying forever. I think that's something all of us need to hear. Verse 26 said, this deceptive person will be exposed in the assembly. And look at 27. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and a stone will come back on him who started it rolling. A few years ago, we befriended someone who turned out to be a compulsive liar. We were completely duped for a very, very long time. We caught up with this guy every week. He told us all about his upbringing, all about his parents and their work, all about his uni studies, all about the grades that he was getting all about the small group that he was studying with. We believed everything he said. We had quite a high regard for this guy who was pretty impressive. And then it turned out absolutely everything was a lie. We had the completely fall. But the tragedy was not merely that he'd lied to but his huge false castle eventually collapsed and it was just tragic to see the pitiful person he was was underneath all those lies and what happened to him when it all fell over maybe maybe your life is not that fox. I hope not. But I do want to call it straight, friends. If you lie, if you deceive, if you have the, the smooth exterior, but underneath, that's not the reality. You're living a very dangerous game. You'll hurt others, and in time, you will greatly hurt yourself.
Lying, actually, it says in that last proverb, is hatred. A lying tongue hates its victim, and a flattering mouth works ruin. I sometimes think as Christians, you'd, you get the impression that swearing is about the worst way you can use words. And it's all easy. Uh, we're pretty good at swearing. Uh, the average Aussie workplace is uh, full of pretty colourful language. I don't know if uh, some of you have ever watched the, um, the Alone uh, series on TV. Uh, we watched the Australian Alone and Mama Bear. The uh, <laughs> language in that was more colourful than some of the other countries from which we've watched. The, um, the F-bomb just went off continually when people were under pressure. And that kind of language is provocative, it's offensive. I don't think it's okay. But is it the worst? Is swearing like the greatest word sin around? These proverbs say to us, gossiping, arguing, deceiving can do far more damage. And actually, they can reveal a far deeper problem. You might have noticed through these proverbs, there's a bit of a theme turn of what's on the surface and what's in the heart. All the way through, there's a concern that, that the words being spoken are covering up what's deep down inside. These proverbs are showing that the main problem is not actually with our word. The problem is with our heart. If we're a bit economical with the truth, that says something about us and who we actually are. If we say one thing and do another, that's revealing something about our heart. Our words, if we're meddling and jesting and gossiping and all these things, might be revealing deep down hypocrisy or insecurity or just nastiness. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What he's saying is, it's what's in our heart that will produce our words. And so we've spent all that time so far looking, looking at these proverbs and thinking about five ways in which our, wounds, our, our words can wound. And those five ways don't exhaust all the possibilities, but it's, it's enough, isn't it, for now? But I want us to go now and think about the one word that can heal. As we go to this, this word, this one word that can heal, I want you to reckon with the fact that there are some unhelpful ways you could respond to a message like this. Uh, one other helpful way to respond to this message is you just feel guilty. As I talk about words, you feel pretty bad because you know that some of this is you. And so you go away today feeling bad about yourself. And maybe you'll just write out the guilt wave 
And, you know, the good thing is it'll probably only last about Tuesday at the longest, and then you'll be back to normal and nothing would have changed. And that's just sort of how guilt works for most of us. Another unhelpful way to respond is all this can just be like water up a duck's back. Maybe you've been listening so far, but you've been listening for someone else. You've been listening for your, I don't know, your husband, your wife, your kids, your friend. Man, she so needs to hear that. (laughs) Or another option is that as you listen to what the Bible says about our words, you'll think inside, yeah, okay, I just need to man up to that. I need to face it. It hasn't been okay. I do gossip. I, I have been deceptive. I do interfere in the people's stuff. That's it. I'm done with using my word that way. I'm going to okay. But I can tell you pretty certain your change won't last. You can try, but it won't last. We're, we're trying to put out a fire in a Tesla battery. This is not easy to just turn off bad words. And so thankfully the, the Bible gives us another option for how we deal with stuff that's not right in our lives. The book of problems, uh, book problems. The book of Proverbs, uh, as as no doubt you've seen many times already, is a book of wisdom that says that wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Wisdom begins with knowing who the Lord is and standing in a right relationship with Him. And in the Bible's whole story, what happens is that eventually the Lord comes. The Lord Jesus came into our world full of wisdom. And as Jesus came, as the Son of God came into our world, he was the embodiment of wisdom and therefore he spoke the best words ever. Never once did Jesus misspeak. Never did he gossip. Never did he lie. Never did he hurt anyone with his words. Never did he fail to speak when he should have. He spoke gracious words to sinners. He spoke powerful, confrontational words to religious hypocrites. He spoke words of hope to desperate people. We don't have time to go hunting through the Gospels now, but poke around in the Gospels, read Jesus' words. If you have one of those funny Bibles that has Jesus' words in red letters, just read all the red letters, and you will see how beautifully Jesus speaks, how powerfully, how truly, how kindly, how pointedly. But at the end of Jesus' life, and bear in mind, he was only 33 when he died. At the end of Jesus' life, something shocking happened. The most wicked word was spoken against him. Terrible lies, trumped up charges. There were words of mocking and ridicule. 
There were the words of the religious leaders that charged him falsely with treason and blasphemy. There were the words of the crowds that cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! There were the words of Pontius Pilate, who knew he was an innocent man, but washed his hands and didn't have the guts to speak the words that would defend him. But what's really striking is that in that mess of words, Jesus chose not to speak. He didn't defend himself. He didn't call down judgment on his enemy. He chose to say nothing and to let the injustice unfold. Actually, already in the Old Testament, Isaiah had prophesied that that would be the case. Have a listen to these words from Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that's led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Later, the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, who was there at the time, wrote this. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wound, we have been. Friends, that was Jesus' reason for saying nothing. He was willing to go to the cross and suffer there for our sin. And that means that when Jesus hung on the cross, bearing our sin, he bore every word sin you or I have ever spoken. Pay for every gossip, every slander, every stupid conversation, every misspoken word, every lie, Jesus Jesus was silent so that he might stand in our place and pay the debt. If we confess our sin, if we confess our word sin, the blood of Jesus Christ blocks you those words out. Forever. It's the amazing grace of Jesus that he wipes out the record of our sin and God now looks at you as if you have only ever spoken the most beautiful, true, gracious, lovely word you've ever heard. God now takes your tongue as if it were the tongue of Jesus Christ himself. 
Isn't that amazing? Sadly, our words may still have left much damage in other people's minds. But here's the start. Our sins are forgiven before God. And then what happens is that Jesus starts to change our speech. His word now starts to take root in our heart. It, as you soak in the truth of the gospel, as you read the words of Jesus, as you, as you spend time in the Bible, as you listen to what God says, it will start to change your words. Not, not all at once, not overnight, but progressively, the way we speak changes when we come to know Jesus. Mm. More and more, falsehood will feel horror and inappropriate. Increasingly, words of hate and bitterness will just seem out of place as your heart is filled more and more with the words of God. Kind and loving and encouraging that building words will start to come a little more easily. And you might be surprised at how nice you'll be. <laughs> I didn't want to be that nice, but but Jesus Christ has done to change the way that you spoke. And you might start to find the courage to say another word that we really struggle to say. Sorry. I'm sorry I spoke like that. I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I lied to you. Will you forgive me? Jesus forgives us, and then he becomes our speech writer. And as you know Jesus more and more, I believe your words will change, and you'll more and more not speak the words that wound, the words that heal. And one of the things we'll speak about when that change takes place is we'll speak about Jesus. We'll start to use our words to speak about the one who's changed our words because he changed our heart. Once we know Jesus, we want to make Jesus known because he's the only one who can change us from deep down inside. So what's the one word that heals the word of God, the word that became flesh, the word that saves us and then changes us as the word of Jesus Christ dwells in us. Friends, can I ask you this morning, will you confess before God any word sins? that are a typical part of your life, will you take them to God and ask him to forgive you? And will you ask God to start changing your words as he changes you from the inside out? Will you start to let God's words fill your heart so that they 
are what start to bubble out of you instead of those of the way. Uh, not too sure how long I've been speaking, but I suspect I've just spoken probably three to four thousand words. I'm really sorry. Uh, that's a lot of words. And now we'll step into the rest of the day and we will speak. Uh, some of you won't speak very much. I'm sure some of you won't do your 16,000. Others of you will more than make up for the quiet ones and you'll do way over 16,000. Uh, we'll step into a world of words. We'll see signs, billboards, and newspapers, endless stuff on the internet. Word every week. And remember what Proverbs 18.21 said? Dan and lie are in the power of the tongue. And so... We need to come to Jesus to forgive us for the words that wound and to put into our heart the one word that heals so that we go out into this day and this week and in our families and into our workplaces and we speak words of lying, not words of death. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.